electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to a special Miami edition of Mad Money, coming to you from the amazing Telemundo Center. Other people, one of my friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate. Teach. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, at Jim Kramer, nicely, please. Breathless. I am kind of breathless. This morning, the Labor Department reported that our country created over a half million jobs last month. Do that's more than twice what anyone was expecting? These numbers upended the entire thesis that a recession is just around the corner. Even though this is supposed to be a good news is bad news market, we ultimately didn't get hit that hard. Dow dipped 128 points, S&P declined 1.04%, and NASDAQ lost 1.59%. You know what? Given how bullish this market has been, how much it's going up, I think that's a remarkably shallow decline. This kind of number gives the Fed more leeway to keep raising interest rates without choking us off. But man, if the economy could create a half million jobs last month, what a country. It's hard to see that getting derailed by another quarter point rate hike uh, could possibly happen. It's not. But like I've been saying over and over, we are now in bull market mode. You can see it in the strength of stocks that reported so-called downside surprises. I, this one really probably, it probably really flummoxed you. Witness the stock of Apple. This is the largest company in America. It reported weaker-than-expected numbers last night. Absolutely. Unequivocally. Yet after initially opening down, it then rallied furiously. The stock finished up nearly four bucks, for heaven's sake. Largest company! How about that? So with the market's newly forgiving attitude in mind, what's up for my game plan next week? All right, Monday morning starts with a company that's extremely intensive to inflation. It's called Tyson Foods, TSN. If you want to know when we're going to see inflation relief at the supermarket, well, Tyson's the one who can tell us. This is a must-listen-to conference call. Can't buy, buy it yet, though. Can't touch it. Too much disappointment over and over and over again. 
After the close, we get Simon Properties. Hey, you know, we're down in South Florida. A day after our college tour trip to the University of Miami, we're coming to you from the fantastic Telemundo Center. And I talked to business school kids, and a bunch of them were interested in the real estate investment trust. Surprising. You usually don't get those kinds of questions. Usually it's all about crypto. I said it's a tough, well, because these kids are smart. They know not to ask about nothing but crypto. I said it's a tough time for many in the office property business, given the rise of remote work and the enclosed mall plays don't seem like anything to write home about. We know there's a lot of problems with, with the retailers. So can Simon Properties, the largest mall, re, 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 cut it? You know, it's hard to say. But these are real smart guys. They may pull a rabbit out of a hat, but they give one heck of a conference call. We will learn about that business for certain. We're hosting an investment club meeting in Miami tomorrow. We'll run through all the stocks we own for the Chapel Trust. And one of the most interesting one is Lindy, L-I-N-D-E, the industrial gas company. And that's, nat- that's natural gas, not gasoline. They just announced that they'll be increasing their exposure to hydrogen in California, which tells me that hydrogen fuel cells might actually have a chance. Maybe they're more viable than we think. I'm looking for a nice quarter when they report Tuesday morning. Stock really got clubbed today, though. After the close, Chipotle reports, and given that they're hiring 15,000 people for something called burrito season, I've got to believe that business is phenomenal. I know the stock's expensive in this year's earnings estimates, but I think those estimates are too low. Many people call in, and they ask about Enphase Energy because it makes the inverters, it converts the solar energy captured by solar panels and transforms it into usable electricity. Really cool. I always say the same thing. If you believe that solar can be even bigger than it is now, then Enphase is the right stock for you. This is a winner. We've liked it for a while. Hey, lots of people are asking me, why is CVS Health become a real bow wow? I mean, like, just, just disappointing. Well, it's not the company. It's what we call the COVID hangover. Stocks that do poorly because the year-over-year comparisons can't be beaten. We had too many vaccine seekers turn shoppers last year. But maybe there's another reason. In particular, do they have the staff? Can they afford the staff? Because you know you need a lot more people these days because so many items are under lock and key. Yeah, you know, just to get a razor, just to get shampoo. I want to know how much it's costing them. That's maybe the focus. That may be the problem. And so is pilferage, which is a fancy word for stealing. Also on Wednesday, we'll hear from young brands. If they're like Brinker, they'll have good same-store sales figures, but also some concern about sticker prices being too high. That's what Brinker told us earlier in the week. I think young could do better on the strength of KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut. Reasonably priced places. After the close, we have one of the most exciting earnings affairs ever. It's Disney's quarterly report. This one marks the triumphant return of Bob Iger, former CEO, who took over as current CEO after his successor was unceremoniously fired, in part because the last quarter was so terrible. Iger hasn't really had a chance to breathe yet, but I bet things will return to some sort of normalcy under his leadership because it was normal when he was there. We've owned Disney for the Chapel Trust, and our position got obliterated. Remember, I always tell you the good ones and the bad ones. It got obliterated by previous management. I think happier days are here again, and we're holding on, and no longer for dear life. Thursday morning, we hear from AbbVie. That's big pharma. Recently, there's been some negative press about the high-handed way these guys went about protecting the price of Umira. That's their best-selling drug for all sorts of uh, autoimmune diseases. Really, really tough stuff. And it does a good job, Umira. AbbVie's finally lost exclusivity after years of fighting off generics that would have crushed their gross margins. That game is over with. Now they got to deal with the consequences of losing patent protection for their top junk. Let me tell you something. If management actually addresses what business will look like without Umira's hefty price tag, I got to tell you, 
if they're forthcoming, I think the stock will actually go down and maybe even go down a lot. I just don't know if AbbVie's got enough to offset that newfound lack of patent protection for the big, one of the biggest drugs in history. When we get a commodities collapse as we had today, I always want to reach for the packaged good stocks because you can see the raw costs declining in real time. Typically, though, these stocks can't get much lift unless the economy is deteriorating because that's when Wall Street appreciates their consistency. But how can we say it's deteriorating if 500,000 people got hired? And that's just in one month. That's why I worry about the stock of PepsiCo, which reports Thursday. You know what? I actually think they will deliver good numbers on Thursday. But if we have a growth hangover, it might not matter to the market. Remember, Pepsi is a great company, but it can report a quarter that people actually don't like because of the macro data. After the close, we hear about the, from the highly controversial PayPal. And that's controversial because it used to dominate the online payments business. And now the field has gotten so crowded. I mean, it's just like everybody's in. And their margins are getting hurt. Earlier this year, PayPal laid off just early this week. Yeah, it was like the beginning of the week. Oh, boy, I'm like having too good a time down here. Earlier this week, PayPal laid off 2,000 people, or 7% of its staff, in a bid to cut costs. You don't do that if you're feeling good about your earnings. Hey, by the way, we just found out that the fastest-growing part of Apple's juggernaut services division is the finance business, including payments. Well, you know, that's going to be a fierce competitor. Who needs PayPal when Apple Pay is built into your phone? I use it. We also got an analyst meeting. It's it's from a company called Aero Environment. I don't know if you remember, we had them one recently. Uh, They make drones for the military. They've got thousands ready to go for the Ukrainian army. Thousands! But our government doesn't seem inclined to pay for them. These, too bad. These drones are far more efficient and safer than anything else in the defense arsenal. I hope management can explain what went awry here. Speaking of going awry, the pipeline business has lost its way thanks to the administration's less-than-friendly attitude toward oil and gas. And that has hammered the stock of Enbridge, fabulous Canadian pipeline operator, 6.5% yield. I like these guys. Payout backed by bountiful cash flow. But when they report Friday, we need to know the state of play on natural gas, a fuel that seems to be headed below two bucks. Wow, how'd that happen? It's just collapsing. We swing wildly from not enough to way too much natural gas. It's just a nightmare for the producers. But fabulous for creating disinflation, Jay Powell's new favorite term. Finally, Newell Brands. You remember the old Newell Rubbermaid? Ports Friday. It's been engineering a very compelling turnaround. Will continue. Can it be sustained? Or should we just hold on? Maybe that beautiful dividend, 5.7%. Seems like a reasonable proposition. Bottom line, I don't know if we can continue this week's bizarrely bullish behavior, but it's worth sticking around. And maybe, you know, if you want to, you can trim a bit of some stock that you're up a lot. We're going to be talking about that with the members of the CNBC Investing Club. If you did, all I can say is congratulations. You've battled all the bearish prognosticators, and you've won. Let's go to Jerry in Missouri. Jerry. Hey, Jim. I'm a club member and I wanted to ask you a question about this rental car giant. I purchased a position of company when it was in bankruptcy. When it came out, I was awarded common shares and warrants. I'm thinking about adding to my investment because it's down quite a bit. But I want your opinion, if you still like this company, and that is, should I buy one, the shares or the warrants, uh, or does it matter? Uh, no, it doesn't matter. I care about the fundamentals. Don't care about the actual. Uh, what, what's, what's the stock to be saved at the beginning? Is, I apologize. The stock is Hertz. Oh, okay. Um, what matters here is this. 
And I recently had a, a question about this. The you know, it's getting really expensive to rent a car. And I think there will be people who say it costs too much money and I'm not going to do it. That's my biggest worry. That said, it's run by Steve Schur. I know when he was the CFO of Goldman Sachs. He's a real good businessman. If anybody's going to be able to pull a rabbit out of the hat, it's going to be him. But I am worried. Some things are getting too expensive in this country, and I don't like it. Look, I don't know if we can continue this week's bizarrely bullish behavior, but it's worth sticking around and maybe trimming a bit if you own a lot of stock coming in on my money tonight. I'm going to be talking about this stuff. We have a debt crisis in the U.S., but why does it seem like nobody's worried about it? I'm breaking down the situation, laying out what you need to know about it. Then you called in and stumped me on Farfetch and Origin Materials. So I did work on it. I'm turning my homework tonight. And ELF surged after big earnings beat. What a stock! So what drove the strength this quarter? I'm talking to the company's top brass. So stay with Kramer! Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. All right. How come nobody seems all that worried about the debt ceiling crisis? Two weeks ago, our government hit a self-imposed borrowing limit. So far, nothing's really happened. In fact, the stock markets roared during this period. Why is that? Well, the debt ceiling crisis is a genuine problem, even if it's a totally man-made, absolutely avoidable, incredibly stupid one. But it's not an issue at this exact moment. 
We know that because we've seen this movie before. In the summer of 2011, not long after the Republicans took control of the House of Representatives, during the third year of the last Democratic president, almost exactly the same as the setup right now, we had the same debt ceiling showdown. Our government went past the ceiling. Treasury took special measures to stretch out the cash. You've heard about all these things, right? But you know what? It really came down to the wire. And one of the major ratings agencies of downgraded the United States credit rating thanks to risk of a totally voluntary default. <laughs> voluntary. They went over the line in mid-May and they had enough money to make it through to early August, but then the negotiations between Congress and the White House went nowhere. Just like right now. From the May highs to the August lows, the S&P 500 lost nearly 20% of its value. 20%. <laughs> Of course, not all of that was the debt ceiling. Europe was having a horrific sovereign debt crisis, but it really was just the inability to make a deal. However, there was a two-week stretch in late July, early August, where the market got eviscerated by the looming risk of the federal government defaulting on its obligations. During that period, in a completely ill-advised move, the S&P plunged more than 17%. To put that in perspective, during the entirety of last year, the S&P fell 19.4%. But everyone was panicking. <laughs> And it felt terrible. Just imagine if we had a similar decline over the span of a couple of weeks. Of course, the last debt ceiling crisis eventually did get resolved. The Obama administration and the House Republicans agreed on some spending cuts. The debt limit got raised in early August. Problem solved. And here's the thing. Once the situation stabilized, the stock market bounced back very quickly. In fact, the S&P 500 finished 2011 more or less flat for the year. What a buying opportunity. Despite the Eurozone sovereign debt crisis and the Fukushima nuclear disaster and the U.S. government nearly defaulting on our obligations, our stock market was barely dinged by the end of the year. Boy, I remember that period. People just told me I was way too bullish after, that, after the uh, debt ceiling agreement. I said, no, that's, this was, that was the problem. I, I, think, I think it's a major reason why nobody seems to be freaking out now, though, about the current debt ceiling fiasco. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. At the same time, even if people are going to worry about this, it's too early to start worrying. Like we saw in 2011, the vast majority of the debt ceiling damage came in the two weeks before the government ran out of money. We're definitely not there yet. we got to watch, but we're not there yet. When we hit the debt ceiling two weeks ago, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen started taking so-called extraordinary measures to cover the bills without borrowing money. Most of these are pretty much mundane accounting maneuvers, holding contributions to certain government pension funds, temporarily borrowing money that's been set aside, say, for stuff like exchange rate fluctuations, that kind of thing. Yellen has said these measures can last until early June. That's four months away. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is desperately negotiating right now with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to come up with some kind of deal. They've made zero progress so far. Zero. Sell, sell, sell. But they got a lot of time to work this thing out. The White House doesn't even plan to prioritize these negotiations until after tax day in mid-April. They're clearly not concerned. So even if you're inclined to worry about the debt ceiling, don't expect Wall Street to get worked up about it until May. But they will. In May. For now, the showdown hasn't even started yet. But once it does start, there's the possibility that things could go wrong, very wrong. While Speaker McCarthy has made encouraging noises about his most recent negotiations with President Biden, it is really clear that he and his caucus will demand some kinds of cuts. And who knows if the White House is going to be willing to go along with that. Plus, Unlike in 2011, in order to secure his job as Speaker, McCarthy had adopted a rules package that eliminated something called the Gephardt Rule, which has allowed the House to raise the debt ceiling 
without an actual vote in the past. That's going to be much harder. The House Republicans seem eager to have this fight, frankly. And while I think the worst case scenario of an actual default is unlikely, it's certainly a possibility. Democrat or Republican, you're going to have to start caring about this in a few months. What does the worst case scenario look like? Well, once the Treasury runs out of cash, the White House is going to have to decide whether what bills it's going to not pay for. Maybe they stop covering the interest payments on Treasury's disaster. Or the principal, which, when those bonds mature, horrible. Maybe all sorts of planned federal spending gets uh, pushed back. Now, I doubt they'll touch Social Security or Medicare, but people will be worried. So while we don't know exactly what this would look like, it's definitely bad. You know how I keep talking about all the winners from the big infrastructure bill and last year's so-called Inflation Reduction Act? Well, those projects will get suspended if the debt ceiling doesn't get raised. And if things get so dire that Social Security payments stop happening or veterans lose their benefits, that's going to have an immediate negative impact on the whole economy. Although I'm sure Biden would agree to some spending cuts before that happens. Nobody wants to be the president who screwed up Social Security. But as we get closer to the debt ceiling deadline, you better believe we're going to see a lot more headlines about how we could be headed for a real economic disaster. At the same time, given that most interest rates are determined by, uh, by assigning some spread to government bond yields, these government bonds will plummet, sending interest rates soaring. If we can't believe in the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, what the heck can we believe in? You have to expect a major freeze in the credit markets, and don't even get me started on currency fluctuations. That said, there are some bizarre workarounds that could possibly solve the debt ceiling uh, crisis, although that might trigger a constitutional crisis in itself. I've heard very smart people say Biden could just ignore the debt ceiling because there is a provision in the 14th Amendment to the Constitution that says, and I quote, the validity of the public debt of the United States shall not be questioned, end quote. I don't think the Supreme Court would buy that argument, but who knows? Also, the Treasury is in charge of the mint. Okay, get this. Technically, when we looked at this thing, there's nothing stopping them from minting some coins with insanely high denominations, just creating money out of thin air, kind of like crypto. Well, crypto's not backed up by anything. Ridiculous solution to a ridiculous problem. That probably goes to the Supreme Court, too. Either way, I don't see the White House trying to do anything real crazy unless the negotiations go totally awry and the government literally runs out of cash this summer. So let me give you the bottom line. This is a very difficult to understand situation because it's man-made. But I, you have to worry about the debt ceiling, but not yet. Because the actual showdown comes at some point in May or early June, once the money runs out. If history's any guide, that could cause a major decline in the stock market. But if we follow the 2011 pattern, you know what I'm going to want you to do. I'm going to want you to buy, 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 because it will be a buying opportunity. Man Money's back after the break. Coming up, don't wait until the last minute to get that homework done. Kramer files a report on two companies with a story to tell. Next. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome back to Mad Money from the magnificent Telemundo Center in Miami. That's right. We might be traveling right now. And yes, it is a bomb. It's 86 degrees here in Miami. But this is not a vacation. This is a working trip. Well, maybe not tomorrow. But we didn't leave the, our obligations behind when we headed to Florida for a couple of days. We love it here. One of the obligations that we take most seriously is our homework. I love to field questions from our audience with every show. But whenever I get one, I can't answer. You know what we do. We take some time to do the research and come back to you with a considered response. And tonight we've got two of them, and they're both fascinating. One good and one bad. Last Friday, Rick in Pennsylvania, no doubt an Eagles fan, asked about Farfetch, F-T-C-H. That's an online retailer specializing in luxury fashion. You might not have heard of them because it's a British company that gets most of its business overseas. Only 21% of their sales come from the United States. Oh, they got a slick platform, too, not just Farfetch, but there are other brands like Stadium Goods for sneakers and streetwear or New Guards. They also have a stake in a company called YNAP, YNAP, which owns Net-A-Porte, which is the... uh, online luxury retailer with extremely rapid delivery with boxes that appear magically on the stairs in front of my house almost every day. Amazing. What a great company. Unfortunately, none of that matters right now. Farfetch is a company that's losing a ton of money, which you know we don't like. And it's got no clear path to profitability, which you know we disdain, at least so far as I can tell. While they've got impressive revenue growth, that hasn't flowed to the bottom line. They don't even have positive earnings for interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Even focusing on EBITDA, which is a more generous measure of profitability, they have only had one profitable year, which was 2021. When, of course, we were still in the COVID economy. Sell, sell, sell. Speaking of the COVID economy, this stock naturally caught fire during the darkest days of the pandemic, surging from 6 bucks in March of 2020. Get this to $73 in change at its highs two years ago. When many of the most speculative stocks were going nuts, that's when they peaked. Since then, though, the stocks plummeted to just under 7 bucks, And that's after nearly doubling from its lows in December. It's had quite a move since the year began. Farfetch lurched lower in December after management held a particularly discouraging capital markets day. Now, look, normally, normally when companies do these things, they want to paint their business in a positive light. But this time, Farfetch gave us some disappointing long-term margin guidance. Get this. The stock lost 35% of its value in a single session. Can you imagine if you own that? Since then, it's made up the losses thanks in part to the rally and all things speculative that got rolling with the new year. I think this is a gift. If you own Farfetch, you're getting a chance right now to sell it sell, 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 at a sell, higher sell, level sell. than it should be. If you don't own it, I am not a fan, not even for speculation. Oh, by the way, these days I'm not a fan of luxury retail. Too many surprises. Even RH, formerly Restoration Hardware, cut its forecast this very <laughs> evening. No, thank you. Next up, also from uh, last Friday, was my, they really stumped me last Friday, was Michael in Maryland. And he asked me about Origin Materials, O-R-G-N. That's a special materials company with an environmental kicker. This is actually a story that we covered uh, as a homework item before back in December of 2021. All right, it's a former SPAC name. You know, I, I don't like SPACs. But at the time, it was trading at six bucks, and I gave you my blessing, but only for speculation. Roughly 14 months later, Origin stock is roughly the same level. 
up very slightly, but the market's down 10% over the same period. If you had asked me about this one month ago, it would have been a a much worse situation. Origins only back to these levels thanks to a furious rally over the past few weeks. Again, just this kind of like far-fetched, you know what I mean? This stock bottomed at four bucks and change late last year. It just managed to rally almost 45% since then. Again, part of that rotation to all things speculative in 2023. So where do I come down on this one? Honestly, after a little over a year, I still have the same attitude. You got my permission to speculate in origin, provided you know that you're speculating, meaning you should only buy it with money you can afford to lose. This would have been a great stock to talk about yesterday at the Business School University of Miami. At the end of the day, this is an, inter- it is an interesting story. Origins developed a platform for turning the carbon found in cheap, widely available non-food biomass, like sustainable wood residues, into useful materials. They capture that carbon in the process, which is why these guys refer to themselves as, quote, the world's leading negative carbon company, end quote. Nice environmental angle. But what makes this extremely speculative is that the business is just getting started. This is what they call on Wall Street a pre-revenue company, which means they're not selling anything right now, at least for the next few months. When we first addressed it at the end of 2021, Origin didn't even have any operations. They were just building the first facility. I was willing to take a chance on it because they already had $4.2 billion in off-take agreements and capacity reservations. And they had major players, Pepsi, Nestle, which is known for its environmental bent, and Ford Motor, which is known for missing the quarter, among others. I also like that Origin had the backing of Frank Mitch, and he's from Fermian Research. By the way, they are the best chemical uh, company. Well, he's the best chemical analyst that I know. So how has the story changed? Well, we'll start with the last point. Origin still has the backing of Frank Mitch. In fact, all six of the analysts who cover this stock like it. Is that five buy ratings, only one hold, no sales. As for these off-take agreements and capacity reservations, Origin's more than doubled its order book since the last time we talked about it. At the end of September, they had $9 billion of off-take agreement and capacity reservations. That's a nine-fold increase since we first learned about Origin when it's coming public via SPAC in February of 2021. Now for the best news. Last Friday, the same day that Michael and Marilyn asked us about this, co- this one, the company announced the mechanical completion of its first manufacturing facility in Canada. They say they still need to commission it. We should just take a bottle of champagne and hit it, right? But it should be up and running as we head into the second quarter. Origins also got a second facility in the works in Louisiana. Although that's still in the early early stages. So I think the story's only improved since I first talked about it. Of course, we're at a very different point in the business cycle now, but given the strength of the labor report we got today, I'm really not worried about how these economically sensitive basic materials are going to hold up because I don't see a recession anytime soon, if at all. Bottom line, far-fetched is just too... Can't have to do it. Far-fetched for me to recommend. No reason to mess around with an unprofitable online retailer. But Origin Materials, I think it's still a fun, and I say that because, you know, I'm not against speculation, a fun single-digit stock that is worth betting on. But remember, it's pure speculation, meaning it's extremely high risk. Let's go to Frank in Massachusetts. Frank! Hi, Jim. How you doing? Frank, I'm doing real well. How about you? Very good, thank you. Uh, Excellent. I am a Friday Plus year experienced investor who has strengthened and enhanced his investing skills by being a decades-long viewer of both your shows, and I just want to thank you for making thank me you. a good amount of money. Um, oh, you're too kind. Finish, <laughs> finish the week strong with that kind of comment. Thank you, Frank. Um, I have a fairly large core position 
in a stock Hershey, symbol HSY. I just wanted your thoughts on both short and long-term uh, for that position in a long-term kind of uh, diversified income portfolio, Jim. All right, Frank, first of all, thank you for those kind comments. Second, I'll tell you that Michelle Buck came into that company, turned it around. They just supported an amazing quarter. I would not touch it. I would continue to be in, in Hershey. She has done a remarkable job. I, I had the pleasure to meet her at a conference, told her to come on. I got to follow up and get her on the show for you, Frank. Fantastic, great investing, and thank you. Matt in Tennessee, Matt. Yeah, booyah, Jim. Booyah, Matt, what's happening? Hey, um, my question today has to do with HBI, it's Haynes brand. Um, now, they kind of had a little implosion yesterday. Their price went down. They went ahead and they eliminated their dividend. I have it in my dividend portfolio, and I was wondering, is it a good play to go ahead and keep it and hold on to it, or should I continue accumulating shares until they work out the internals and get the debt taken care of? All right, so, Matt, let's think about this. Do we really want to buy shares in a company that had to get, that had to get rid of the dividend? And the answer is nobody ever gets a div- rid of a dividend because things are going well. We sell that stock and we find a better one. That's what we have to do with HBI. And a lot of people bought that for the yield. Don't feel low. A lot of people were buying it. We said, forget about it. Farfetch? Well, how about this? It's farfetch for me. Too farfetch. No reason to mess around with unprofitable online retailers. You're going to have a problem with the proper ones. But Origin Materials, I think it's still kind of cool single-digit stock that actually might be worth betting on for pure speculation. All right, much more man by the end, including my exclusive with ELF, okay? Hey, by the way, that was once purely speculative when we had them on. Now it's blue chip. Could an investment in the beauty manufacturer bring some pretty profits to your portfolio? I'm running through the latest with the CEO. Then after a blowout jobs report... What caused the market to initially jump higher up the open? I'm revealing the reason behind the moves. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. A lot of blowouts this earnings season from companies that weren't doing too well a few months ago. But you know what? I prefer getting tremendous numbers from companies that have a long track record of consistency, particularly with mad money. Take Elf Beauty. That's the value-oriented makeup and skincare play. On Wednesday night, they posted the latest in just another string of great quarters with much higher than expected sales, up 49% year over year, translating into a monster 25-cent earnings beat. That was off a 23-cent basis. Yep, they more than doubled Wall Street's consensus earnings estimate. They also raised their full-year forecast substantially. No wonder Elf stock jumped 15% yesterday, tackling another 3.6% today. And remember, it, this was not a good day in the end. Zooming out a little, the stock's up over 45% since we last talked to them in November. The only question now, does it have more room to run? So let's check in with Tarang Amin. He's the chairman and CEO of Elf Beauty. a better read quarter and where the company's headed. Mr. Amin, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Okay, so Trey, these are rather unbelievable numbers. I rarely see a, a company report twice of what people were looking for. So what is your business doing right now that's allowing you to continue to crush expectations like this? Well, you know, I think it's a continuation of a successful strategy we've been executing for more than four years. This is our 16th consecutive quarter of net sales growth up 49%. 
We grew adjusted EBITDA 69%, built 150 basis points of market share. And there are really three key drivers. First and foremost is our overall value proposition. We make the best of beauty accessible to every eye, lip, and face. Second is our powerhouse innovation. We can uniquely make products previously you could only find in the prestige arena and make them accessible to people. And the third is we have exceptionally high marketing ROIs, and we know how to engage and attract consumers. And I think all three of those things are working together uh, to continue our momentum. Well, I'm not sure people realize who are not continual makeup users are going to alter, going to target. What When you talk about value, I've got a page from your deck, a camo concealer, $31, and yours is at $7. How is that possible? Well, you know, our entire company is geared towards offering high quality, extraordinary value. It's the way we are integrated between our innovation program, our supply chain, everything we do. And we take great joy in terms of being able to bring that type of value to our consumers. And obviously, they're responding with tremendous sales of our products. Now, you've been in Target. Uh, now, it seems like a long time when we started. It's just brand new. And uh, I was in a Target recently, and the amount of space, if you took out just, say, a, a ruler, is remarkable versus where it was. So you're taking share then, right? I mean, that means you've got to be taking share from some other companies. We are. We are. In fact, Target's, you know, our longest standing national retail customer. They're a terrific partner, and they really do care about beauty. And so we've had a great track record at Target. In fact, in this last year, we passed Neutrogena to be their second biggest brand across all of color cosmetics and facial skincare. And we continue to pick up a ton of share there. And uh, and they're rewarding us with more space this year and continue to support the brand. And uh, really, we're seeing that across the board. A number of different customers really supporting Elf based on both the growth we deliver, the consumer we deliver, which is really important in our innovation. Now, you're getting these consumers in all sorts of different ways from the other guys, correct? I mean, you're a big presence on TikTok. You understood the web very early on. That's right. That's been a big driver. And, you know, for us, it's all about who our consumer is. We're the number one brand amongst teens. And a big insight for us is let's live where they're living. So we were the first beauty brand on TikTok. I think our last hashtag challenge had 15 billion views. We have our own channel on Twitch. As many of our consumers are gamers and like watching people play games. We were the first one on Big Real. So we continue to innovate. And then I think just as importantly, do unexpected things. So in this last quarter, we had an insight where most women will decide what their look is of the day based on the weather forecast. So we partnered with the Weather Channel, Brilliant. Megan Trainer, and Elf and created a glow report. Uh, coincided with when we were getting our new Halo Glow liquid filter back in stock. And that one activation alone had 5.7 billion views, six times what we usually see during the holiday season. So our team continues to find fun and creative ways to entertain our community, and, and they in turn reward us. And in the meantime, I cannot leave out, you have always been rewarding to the communities that help you, and you've done a huge number, huge things with charity. I want to just give a chance to talk about what you do. Corporate, just corporate benevolence. Well, I mean, for us, it, it goes hand in hand. Uh, we're a value purpose led company and we really care about our values, which is really empowering and supporting our community. So we we like we give to different 
charities. We do employee matches. My wife and I personally match every donation as well. It's really important to us as the values of our company to make sure we're being right by our community. And that extends to the brand values. Our, our superpowers are not only being premium quality at these great prices with broad appeal, but we're also, I think, the only brand that also is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and the only beauty company that's fair trade certified because we want to make sure that we're making a positive impact in the communities that we serve. And my wife and my kids are well aware of that. Uh, I put the stuff in, you know, that from my, my wife's closet. She thought she was using another a very high-priced company. She had no idea. And she said, how do I get more of this? The answer is pretty much everywhere because that's how good you are and how great your company is. What a run. $69.74. When you were first on the stock's about $15. Congratulations. That's Tarang Amin. Thanks. He's the chairman and CEO of Elf Beauty. What a winner. I got to tell you, it works in recession. It works in inflation. Read the deck. He'll tell you that. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. of the University of Miami. I'm a big fan. Thanks for coming to the U. My dad is too. He says, thanks for helping pay my tuition with all your advice. We'd heard that story about uh, you and your hedge fund days and want to get you a box of donuts. These guys are smart. It's in the book. So he read the book. That shows homework. That shows preparation. Join us in giving a hometown hurricane welcome to Jose Moss, the CEO of Moss Tech. Look at these kids. I think we can learn from these kids every single day. Their hunger, their desire, opportunity to succeed exists in this country better than anywhere else in the world. I wanted to tell you how much this show means to me. Um, my father died of pancreatic cancer when I was eight years old. And this show is like one of the few memories I have of him is watching it with him. So I'm very thankful to meet you and be here today. You know, you know why I do this show. I'm Jim Kramer, signing off from beautiful Miami. Thank you for having me. powerful day. I want to thank you to the Miami Herbert Business School for your hospitality and the passion for what you do and what we do. We love the you, and I got it right. And now, and now it is time. It is time for a special Miami Telemundo Center lightning round on Kramer's Bit Money. Start taking calls, rapid fire. You say the name of the stock. I'll tell you what I buy, buy, buy. Sell, 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 and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? It's time for the lightning round. Everybody, let's start with Dwayne in Louisiana. Dwayne. Hey, Jim. I am a club member, and I was wondering about a stock yes. that I'm playing with the house's money. That stock is Cintas. Bye. Cintas is such a good company. I would love to be able to say, listen, ring the register with more, but you gave me the magic words. Play with the house's money. Let it go. It's one of the greatest small business companies in the world. Okay, let's go to Ara in Ohio. Ara. Booyah, Jimmy. Booyah. Kathy Woods, Arc, Kathy Woods Arc Fund is a very large position in Zoom. She speaks to the company's bright future with corporate clients. In my opinion, corporate America seems to be gravitating towards similar tools offered by Microsoft and Google, making Zoom potentially obsolete. Professor, whose side are you on? Okay, I think Zoom is a very tough call. It's, they're great people. Uh, 
we, we, we had Kelly on the show, Eric Ioannis, terrific guy, but the problem is, is the business model. They're just not making enough money. They need to merge with some, and, and they tried to merge before, and it failed. They need a merger. Let's go to Shan, Sha'an in Pennsylvania. Sha'an. Yo, Jimmy Chill. Oh, man, the chill man was not chilling yesterday. I was sweating. Holy cow. What's going on? Yo, I want to talk about Corsair stocks today. I was wondering if it was a safer bet than the Eagles' money line for the Super Bowl. No. All right, look, Corsair's gaming peripherals, and that's very, very hard. And it, it is a cutthroat market. You know, we like Logitech, but they failed to make the quarter. I can't recommend Corsair Gaming because they're second-rate, second-rate Logitech. Got to be honest. Let's go to Jack in Ohio. Jack. Hey, thanks for your help, Jimmy. Hey, Much appreciated. What's up? My, hey, looking to add to my dividend income on a pullback. TXD, Pioneer Natural Resources. Definitely. That's Scott Sheffield. He swore to me that he'd be the highest the highest yielding stock in the S&P 500, not because the stock went down, but because he keeps raising the payout. I think the PXD at 220 may be one of the best investments you can make because it's got a 10% yield. It's backed up by cash. Let's go to Save Ray in Colorado. Ray. Hey, Jim. Thanks. I'd like to follow up on your segment about dividend aristocrats with your thoughts on a company that right. raised theirs 49 years in a row. VF Corporation, VFC. Okay, I am very worried about VF now. It is run by Ben Odor. The great Ben Odor put Clarks in just a terrific way. And by the way, how about Linda Randall doing an amazing job at Clarks? What a fantastic quarter. Benno just took over the company. Let's wait to see what Benno says before we jump in. He's a thoughtful person. He'll come on the show. He'll tell us how they're doing. Let's not pull the trigger until then. Let's go to Mark in New Jersey. Mark. Hey, Jim. So I wanted to see what you think about ASP Space Mobile now that it's trading around $6 and... Only if for just a huge amount of speculation. I mean huge, because I think that's a very tough one to And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, today's jobs number turned plenty of frowns upside down. But cheering a perma bear is a fool's errand. Kramer goes grizzly on the naysayers. Next. Is this a great country or what? There are rare moments when common sense intervenes in the stock market. Today was one of them. America created 517,000 jobs last month. That's fabulous. We had 3.4% unemployment, the lowest in 69. That is staggering. You might think that good news, but, you know, for Wall Street, we've been in the good news is bad news mode ever since the Fed started raising rates uh, to tamp down inflation. The more good news we get, the more aggressive the Fed needs to be with its rate hikes. Today, we got some of the strongest employment figures of my lifetime. However, even with all that job creation, wage growth didn't really accelerate. And you could argue it actually cooled a bit from the previous month, though it did come in a tick higher than expected. I think that's what allowed stocks to more or less hold up, at least until the end of the day. Could have been a real bruising, though. Now, on Wednesday, when the Fed raised rates by a quarter percent, j said they aren't finished fighting inflation. Presumably, he already had a sense of today's labor report. Maybe so. While Powell celebrated all the disinflation we've seen, he's also told us that he's not happy with the rising cost of so many other things. We don't have price stability yet because we still have enough people to fill all. We don't have enough people. 
We don't have enough people to fill all the jobs that are being offered. Powell can't create more people out of thin air. He can't change our immigration policies to welcome more workers from overseas. But he can raise interest rates to the point where we get a hard landing, meaning lots of people get thrown out of work and a surfeit of job seekers will be willing to work for less. That's tough medicine. Is there another reason the market didn't crash when we got this tremendous employment number? I can think of a few of them. First, lots of people have been betting that we're headed for a severe recession. Now, after this number today, that's near impossible. Too much job growth. Anyone who thinks the Fed will have to swiftly cut rates later this year because the economy is too weak, clearly fooling themselves. But there are a lot of people making that wager. If you look at the bond markets, they're demonstrably wrong. Give them both. The hard landing cohort just botched it this time. Powell once, once again got it right. Own up, fellas. But honestly, I think this story is actually very simple. For ages, we haven't, had really, we haven't really thought of ourselves as a growth country. We increasingly saw America as a place with minimal growth, no manufacturing, no construction, no warehousing, little natural resource development. No more. These industries are hiring like crazy. My take is that the comeback from the initial negative reaction to the stock market today before a move lower in the afternoon has to do with faith. Faith in thinking that there won't be a recession. Faith that if the Fed wants to hit us with one or two more rate hikes, we'll be fine. That's relief. And it's also a celebration of what this country is really about. Opportunity. Even in a good news is bad news market, if the news is good enough, you're not going to get that much of a negative reaction. And more than a half million jobs created last month is the kind of good news that makes you feel insane for worrying about a recession. If the Fed chief wants to raise interest rates quarter after quarter, this economy can actually handle it. And that's the real takeaway from this amazing job growth number. And yes, I reiterate, is this a great country or what? I like to say there's always a bull market summer. I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.